This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I mean, know that God is alive. His Word is alive. And I had someone the other day who said, I want to hear God speak to me. Open your Bible. It's the Word of God. He speaks. Amen. We've been looking at tis a season to give, and if you've done your Christmas shopping, you know it, it can uh, be a fun time, spend some money, give some gifts, but really for the Christian, giving takes on a whole different meaning. Never been given to Jesus Christ, of course, and when you get him in your heart, you're, you become a giver, but we as Christians are to be givers. And we, we need to do things God's way. Do you know that God believes the Bible? Great revelation. God believes this stuff. And when he says he wants to prosper you, he wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. And he never asks you to do anything outside of love. Because he is love. So anything he asks you to do is in love because what he tells you to do is always for your best it's always for your your good for your blessing so when he tells us to to give he's not saying i want your money or he's being stingy and just he wants you poor no the the curse is lack and poverty and jesus became a curse for us Bible says he became poor that we might be made rich. In case you don't know it, you are rich. All you got to do is go to a third world uh, country and you say, we're rich and we're blessed. And we're called to give and be a blessing to others. So God wants you blessed, but he has some certain guidelines in his word that he wants us to fulfill and I thought last week when Pastor Rob was uh, ministering on the generosity of our Father, mm, got to me just how generous and how good our Father is. And when I, when I look at what he's given, I just go, well, the only reasonable thing to do, according to Scripture, is just lay down my life. It's all yours. Amen. Anybody sinking in his love? Is anybody sunk and just giving up? Just okay. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So, our money, our treasure, our material wealth, possessions are closely related to our heart. Well, Pastor, I don't see that's fine, God does. And if God said it, it is the say truth. So there's this connection to the heart and our, our money, our, our treasure. 
wherever your treasure is, then the desires of your heart will be there also. So you need to be honest with yourself and evaluate. Do a spiritual heart checkup and see where you're at. Is your heart giving? Are you generous? Are you doing the things that God said to do according to his word? Are you being a blessing? Are you sharing with others? Are you being that one that always says a good word, that has a smile, that has a prayer? And even your finances, is your budget submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he the center of everything in your life, your being? It's called lordship. And he, he needs to have our whole heart. Well, if they knew my heart, well, I'd see where your money's going. We can see where your heart is. Billy Graham said, give me five minutes with a person. Let me look at their checkbook. I'll tell you if they're following God or not. Now, it, it probably wouldn't be checkbook. Let me on their computer, I guess. There's this connection. And we try and fool ourselves sometimes and say, no, that connection doesn't exist. But the word is truth, and there is a connection with your heart and treasure. Well, I have a heart for my church. Let's look at your giving. You look. <laughs> you look yourself and be honest before God and evaluate. Well, I have a heart for my wife. Let's look and see. Her heart, you've given to her, what you're blessing her with. Because your heart will always put treasure in where it resides. Well, I have a heart for God, okay? Are you worshiping God the way he said to worship him? Are you bringing the first 10% of your income and giving it to God through your church as a worship unto him? Are you being generous? Are you saying, nah, I'll evaluate my heart some other time? See, you can, it's, it's easy to see what's in your heart. It's revealed by your money. That's the reason anytime a pastor gets up and talks about money, there's always a reaction. Everybody has an opinion. And I can remember cringing when they were talking about tithing. Cringing. I don't want to hear this. One time the Lord said, it's me speaking. I want to hear this. Yes, sir. And you do evaluation. I said, Lord, I've evaluated my budget, and it's not working now. 10% giving to God? It makes no common sense. But it's called faith. It's called trusting in him and watching what he will do. My heart will go where my treasure is. You know you can actually send your money by faith where you want your heart to be. Well, I wish I had a heart for that. Start putting some money in it, and your heart will be there in the future. Just a little. 
we had a, a couple just the, the other night saying we were we are afraid to tithe for so long, but why? Why were we? Because we've seen, we, we still are blessed. We're, we're not missing it. God has provided, and he always will. So it takes revelation. You have to be convinced. That's the reason we, we don't manipulate. We're not, in fact, the Bible teaches against it. I, I couldn't stand manipulation and, and uh, giving before I saw it in the Word. It just rubbed me wrong. But God does not manipulate you to get you to give. Because that's not your heart in it. That's being forced to. And that's not God. Money reveals the condition of our heart. In Matthew 10 verse 21... Then Jesus looking at him, you can, you can look back at this uh, passage, but it says, Then Jesus looking at him, this young rich ruler, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. Jesus wasn't saying he wanted this young rich ruler to be poor he was actually I believe giving him an opportunity to be one of his disciples because when you see Jesus using these terms to an individual he's inviting them come and follow me be one of my disciples so it's a great opportunity how many know that this young rich ruler would have been blessed if he obeyed God because you always get blessed when you do what God says. Wouldn't it be a real bummer if you obeyed God and you weren't blessed? <laughs> well, every time you obey me, I'm going to just hit you over the head. No. That's not being the good parent, is it? You want to reward. And that's the heart of Father, to reward us. In verse 22, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions this material wealth he had great possessions or we like to say great possessions had him verse 22 but he was sad at his word went away sorrowful for he had great possessions then Jesus looked around said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God and the disciples we're so glad at these words. They shouted for joy and said, we're broke, we're poor. We're going to heaven and the world's going to hell. Hallelujah. No, it's, oh, that's a loose translation. Never mind. What did they say? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Astonished. Can you imagine being astonished? That, that tells me they must have had some wealth. They must have had some possessions. I don't know. Maybe they, some of them owned a business. Maybe a fishing business or something. Maybe there were some possessions there. Why would they be astonished? Um, 
You know, sometimes we think that Jesus was just um, poor. His needs weren't met. But the truth is, Jesus was blessed on this earth. He was in covenant with Father God, and he was blessed. His needs were being met. Oh, we need to pay some taxes, Jesus. Well, let's go fishing. I call that a blessing. I don't know about you. His needs were met. Most broke people do not have a treasurer following them around, keeping up with the money. But see, our thinking is, he didn't have, he didn't have a place to lay his, his head, it says. That's because he was traveling. He had a traveling ministry. Jesus actually had a house. Do you think that the owner of that house that they tore the roof off would have been a little upset. Hey, they're tearing the roof off. It was his headquarters. It was his house. But see, we get this religious thinking that Jesus was just all broken, poor. He was just barely getting along. Hallelujah. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who, here it is, trust in riches. How hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's, that's a pretty good picture there. I think Jesus made that picture pretty obvious. It is difficult <laughs> that's a difficult thing and no that's not some gate in in israel i'm t you look it up it's a needle going through a needle most of us would all agree that looks impossible that's oh, all use the camel you just put yourself through the needle Camels are pretty big. None of us in here are as big as a camel. Go through. The... It's impossible. You can't save yourself. But God is the one that can change the heart. He's the one that can do the miracle. And verse 26, and they were greatly astonished when he said this, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, possible, but with God... For with God, all things are possible. God can change the heart. God can change your life. God can change your mind. God can change that place of bondage and set you free. God is more than enough. In Luke chapter 16, verse 8. And this, uh, this is about the unjust steward, and I'm just reading the end of it for a second time. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. So you have the unjust steward uh, who was unfaithful, said he squandered, he wasted his uh, master's goods, he uh, was stealing from his business, he, he just was doing a bad job. And the master said, take account of your stewardship. In other words, 
your time is up. And so he goes, what am I going to do? He said, I'm too lazy to work. Just read it out. Go back and look. at. I'm too lazy to work. I'm too proud to beg. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to each of my creditor or master's creditors and say, oh, you owe a thousand dollars here. Let's make that 800. Comes to another one. And he's thinking when I'm put out, I have no place to live. I'm going to the creditors. I made me some good friends here. Hey, remember me? I'm the one that did you that big favor. Yeah, I remember. We got back room back here. Come on in. And then when they get tired of you kicking out, you go back to the next one on the list. Then you rotate. Making, I mean, think about this. Jesus is complimenting this guy. He's he's stealing. He's uh, he's, uh, taking advantage of his master. He's doing all these things wrong. And then he actually uh, is cheating this master by getting the creditors to cut what they owe. And then Jesus compliments the guy. Hey, it's pretty smart what you did with your money. That had to be the love of God. (laughs) He's doing all these things. And here's Jesus compliments him. And he says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of God. He's making friends using someone else's money. And I say to you, this Jesus saying to us, I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, which is money, that when you fail, when you die, when you look this up, when you pass from this life, They may receive you into an everlasting home. He's saying here, learn to leverage your money to win souls. Learn to use your money to equip saints to fulfill the ministry that God's called them to. Use your money to build the kingdom of God. It's an investment that will last you throughout all eternity. Moths and thieves can't come in and steal, but you'll have treasures in heaven. This little life is but a vapor and it's going to pass away. But eternity, we can can make an investment for eternity. And the good thing is, the bank of heaven is always open. If you put something in the bank up there, you can call it out while you're here on this earth by faith. Your needs can be met and supplied here. He's given us all things to enjoy life. But we need to get our eyes on other people and realize that that money can win souls, can bring people into the kingdom. You know, like Pastor Rob was saying, if you're a guest, we don't ask you to, to give. But let me show you the other side of that. Thank God some people have given before you came. They gave to build this building a place that we could gather together and you could hear the word of God. All of that is rewarded. What you've given for the sake of the gospel is rewarded. What does the enemy wants to do just to get our eyes on ourselves and forget about giving? It's easy to do. 
I mean, we've all been there. It's just real easy. More than, but he he talked about money more than anything else in the Bible because he knew the power of it. That and we all have to have it to make it. But he said, "Don't put your trust in riches." In verse ten, he who is faithful was least. He's talking about money here. Is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust and was is least is unjust also in much. Well, when my ship comes in, I'm going to give. No, you're not. Not according to what Jesus said. Yes, pastor, I'm telling you, when my ship comes in, I'm giving. No, you're not. You're, you're headed for the Bahamas. We're not going to see you for a while. See, if, if you're not faithful at your little tugboat, you're not going to be faithful on that ship that God has anchored out there for you, waiting for him to be able to release it to you. You won't do it. Let me just say it this way. I wouldn't. That's, that's what Jesus said. It's easier to start giving when you're not making this much. Because say, well, that seems like a lot of money. Verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? He, he's talking about finances is the least place to trust God. The least place to trust God. And if you haven't been faithful in, in the money, in your finances, your material possessions, your treasure, how can God commit to you and trust you with the true riches? Where are the true riches? The true riches are those things that go beyond what money can do. True riches is that healing, wholeness, peace, strength, joy, things of the kingdom. See, the truth is, if, I, if I'm not faithful with the dollar I can see how will I be able to get the demon off that I can't see? He's saying, be faithful with this and I'll give you authority. I will give you the things that you desire that only I can give to you. But he said, you've got to do this. You've got to be faithful and not trust in riches. If you can't trust God with your money, you'll not be able to trust him with your marriage, with your family, your job, your business, your legacy, with the gifts of the Spirit. What about the gifts of the Spirit flowing in you in power? It's true riches. Faithful with the least, and God can trust you with the true riches. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the truth is, every single person on this earth is serving one or the other. You're serving the God of mammon or the true and the living God. Every single person is. Mammon was a Syrian god. It was a, a god of wealth. And, and this, this, uh, this spirit rested on wealth and possessions and treasures or rested on money. The spirit of mammon rested on money. It's a god of greed, lust, pride, and it carried false promises. Promises to, that replace the true and the living God. This God says, I will take care of you if you put your trust in me. Trust in riches. This God says, material wealth is a place of happiness and true joy. This material wealth is the place of security. That's the reason we have some of the richest people in the world are the most miserable. Because they found out it didn't bring them what they thought because it doesn't have the power to do what only God can give each of us. This God says you will find your fulfillment, your value, your self-esteem in your treasure, which we know is a lie. Your worth, your joy, your security is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mammon and God are competing for your love and your loyalty. You will love God and be loyal to him and hate the other, the false god mammon. Or you will love mammon and be disloyal to God. In fact, eventually you will despise God as you serve mammon. The love of money is the root of all evil. Let me tell you who the love of money is, mammon. Mammon is the love of money. Finances are to be yielded to God in worship, and those are the ones that are blessed. When your finances aren't yielded to God, the spirit of mammon's there, and you're cursed. Blessing, curses. Ye choose. Who we worship and yield our money to determines if our money is blessed or cursed. Because we looked and we saw that this planet's under a curse. Either you got your umbrella up or you don't. This planet, have you noticed it's groaning and it's shaking a lot? It's a lot going on there. Because it's cursed. But there will be a new earth. The tither and the giver have their finances blessed. They're protected. They're covered under that umbrella of protection. Mammon is the spirit of Antichrist. I may have heard the Antichrist spirit. Read the book of Revelations. And if you're like me, I used to think anti meant the opposite. I thought, well, see, God is good. God is love. God blesses. He's a rewarder. The opposite of that, Antichrist, the devil's angry. Mean, evil, you know, all these things. But when you look up the word, that's not really what it says. 
Anti in the original means a substitute for, in exchange for, in place of a counterfeit. A counterfeit Christ is anti-Christ. Antichrist offer things that only God can give you. It says, trust in me and be blessed. I'll give you a little picture of the end times in Revelation chapter 13. It talks about the Antichrist and the beast. We've all heard that in order to buy or sell, you must take the mark of the beast. What's going on here? Let's peel back the picture and look. There's a spirit of mammon, an antichrist spirit that is manipulating, controlling money, the wealth of the world to manipulate people to bow down and worship the antichrist, the beast. It's all about this world system. And if you don't do things the way of the beast, you can't buy. You can't sell. They close your business down. You don't do the right kind of business. Because they're taking over. But thank God for the body of Christ. You can have provision and you can have supply when no one else has it. If God has to make your shoes last longer, he'll make your shoes last longer. He can make it where your clothes don't wear out. He can give you a new brake job. He did this for Rob and Shauna years ago. Took their car in, had the brakes redone. And they said, you don't need them. You don't think you've already got a brand new, it's already done. I remember asking Rob, what was the name on those brakes? I wanted to see if it was Trinity Brake Company or something. <laughs> but God put the brakes on. <laughs> but the true God invites you to serve him. The Antichrist demands your service. That's the reason God doesn't manipulate. He gives you a free will. You choose to trust him or not. But you, it's not, it doesn't have to be a feeling. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting on a good feeling to give. No, I just choose to trust you and I'm giving anyway. That's why I started out. It was just by faith. Does the Lord have to tell me now when to give? A lot of times, no. I mean, he will sometimes. But no. It's just like you're raising your kids. You're telling them, say thank you. Show appreciation, say thank you. Or share this, or say yes, yes sir, yes ma'am. You're training them. But if they're 30 years old and you're still doing that, there's something wrong. There should come a time where we just naturally give. Our giving breaks the power and influence of mammon in our world. This Christmas gift uh, to the Lord. We, we come to church and we give. We're laying at the feet of Jesus Christ our heart's love and devotion to him. We're also expressing our disloyalty and that the spirit of mammon is beneath our feet. And saying we're not in bondage to the spirit of this world. 
We're in it, but we're not of it. Because we serve God Almighty. And you are our source. I love you. And you love me. And we are family. Don't forget, God, this is your son, Bob. Isn't it great to be in family with God? First Timothy 6, verse 17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is also unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives all us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. A couple other translations. It's, uh, and, uh, another translation says, tell those who are rich not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone, but their pride and trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. Should give happily to those in need. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. And then the last one, the Message Bible. Tell those rich in this world to quit being so full of themselves. And so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. To do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Why does God want us to give because it's our heart for him it's expressing our heart at the same time we're rubbing it in the enemy we're rubbing it into him saying spirit of mammon you're beneath my feet and i'm moving forward with god chances are the least to trust god for get your notes there at the end real quick it says finances are the least to trust god for all money has the spirit of god on it or the spirit of mammon Mammon promises what only God can provide. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Presenting our tithes and offerings to God is a holy, sacred, and worshipful act of faith that glorifies God. See, what you're bringing to him is holy and sacred, but the very action of what you're doing is also a holy, holy thing. Every time we give... To God, we're demonstrating our trust in him and our denunciation of the spirit of mammon in this world. So we're going to get ready to, to give at this time our, our Christmas gift offering. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a tither, I want to encourage you to become a tither. If you're already a tither... 
God wants you to reach out and plant some seed and get a harvest. That you can be a generous giver. And that seed will come up and you'll be blessed. The people that I've known, I thought about the people I've known that have been very well off. Have gotten a hold of that and they're giving a high percentage of their income to God. Because they know there's a harvest coming. The future. So what we're going to do. Get, go ahead. If, if you need an envelope. If you, you don't have it. Just lift your hand. Anybody need a Christmas gift offering. We want you to give in that if you can. Or you can. Uh, if you're giving my check. I guess you can fill the check. I want you to buy here for just a moment. And I, I'm hoping that you've already done this, that you've asked the Lord what you're to give. But if not, make a determination what you want to give. We do have, you know, of course, to the end of the year to do this. This goes to our single parents that need some help at Christmas. We bless the parent and the children. Our benevolence fund. We're helping people throughout the year in emergency situations. We have a, a, a need right now that we're uh, working uh, with the families going through a very tough situation. And uh, it costs money uh, to help. So that's what this goes to. And also uh, repairs on this building and things that we need to do here. But I want you to know that this is a sacred moment, a holy thing that you do. I ask families to come down if you can, or husband and wives, you know, come as a family if you can. And I want you to just linger when you come down for just a moment. And I, I guess we got too many to do that. Put in and linger at your seat and, and talk to the Lord. Humble be a time not asking God for things, but of worship humbling yourself before him and saying you're the great I am you're the great God and just yielding if there's anything within me Lord that's not yours I yield it up I want you and just worship him and let this be a, a sacred holy time because it is to him and it should be for us we're going to sing go ahead and stand up and as we sing this, anytime during this, you can make your way down and put in the, in the bucket your, your offering. Let's worship the Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.